When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spurs in full cry here. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of The Extra Inch. My name is Windy, and I'm joined by my psychic and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Good evening, Windy. And our tactics guy and my constant gardener, Nathan A. Clark. Hello, <laughs> constant Nathan. Constant gardener. That's a good one. Hello, mate. Uh, guys, I declare this, uh, I don't even know what to call it, therapy session <laughs> open. Um, let, let, let's talk crisis, in inverted commas. Uh, so we asked for questions on Twitter. <laughs> There were lots of very, very, very similar questions. A remarkable number of people simply said, please tell us that everything will be okay. And uh, Tom Thorogood said, just like, what the fuck is wrong with them all? (laughs) Bardi, you seem to have made your move into the potch out camp based on last night. Uh, Tell us why in a nutshell. It's wait. I haven't gone full potch out. I'm not going to be turning up at White Hart Lane on a Saturday with an A4 piece of paper saying potch is out. But there was very worrying signs from from this team and very worrying signs from their from their attitude. Now I mentioned I mentioned on Twitter that there's a there's a moment in Potch's history at Tottenham where I think I'm not very proud of it. The battle, I'm talking about the Battle of the Bridge. I'm not proud of how we surrendered a two goal lead and then decided to kick lumps out of Chelsea. I mean it's pretty funny, but I don't think that's how a serious football team should have behaved at that moment. But what we had there was a team that believed in Pochettino, had a bit of passion, had a bit of oomph. And for all the faults that we have at Tottenham at the moment, I think I think there's a significant lack of lack of passion and drive to actually play football or even a belief in what they're doing. So I think once one a manager can fail to motivate a player to actually get them to push as hard as they can, I think I think he's starting to get into um troubled water. So to take that argument to its natural conclusion, are you are you concerned that he'll never get that ability back? Yeah, I think that combined with the the lack of of system of style of play. I mean Manchester City are Manchester City, yes, but I think even if put, even if Pep took out those 11 players and put in 11 youth players, they would still play in in Guardiola's style. They would at least try to replicate it. And I think the same would happen with um with Klopp if he changed his players. I think Pochettino he's kind of lost himself in this he he had to fix a lot of holes last year and I think that hasn't helped him that he's still unable to decide what formation he should play. Like yesterday we started for a back with a back three. 
if the, if that's not how you intend to play football going forward, why 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 are you doing that? Just stick with a four two three one or four four three. Pick your formation, stick to it, and try and learn at something from that. But he just seems to be lost in decision making. He seems to be lost with his players, and his players seems to have lost the drive. That if there's one thing you could say from Pochettino, his players would press and fight and tackle and run their asses off. But this doesn't seem to happen now. Okay, um, I think you 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 made some very reasonable points there, Nathan. Would you like to counter that? <clears throat> um, I I'm not gonna like deny that there isn't this sort of um, sense of unwellness. That there isn't a clear like a lack of of caring. There isn't sort of some unclear uh, backroom drama. And, and Pochettino has alluded to it and, and said that there are different agendas in the in the dressing room. Um, it you do certainly get the feeling that um, the Ericsson is not all there, and that that preseason body language stuff is um, ringing true. Um, I. <laughs> But I th- I think that there there are also tactical issues and personnel issues and that those things could be resolved along with the mental. When Pochino first came in to the club, there was a deep mental unwellness and he alienated those issues or that issue through tactical innovation, through winning games. You know, putting three wins together completely changes the mood of a club. Um I think everything, I think it's perfectly reasonable and feasible to be resolved. I don't think that we're beyond the point of of no return at all. Yeah, and I think I'm somewhere in the middle of the two of you. So I think the situation we're currently in feels a lot worse right now because we've just had an incredibly humiliating defeat in a game that we should have won in 90 minutes, let alone on penalties. Um, And so we we feel a particularly low ebb. Um, And I think it is appropriate to take a long-term view because... Pochettino's had these bad starts to a season before and he's come through it before and we've seen his teams build up to a crescendo at Christmas where suddenly results start going our way and we come flying up the table and and we look really good, we look really strong. And I've been writing for weeks now that when we get players fit, when we have options available, when his midfield signings are available to him, we'll look better. But at the same time, it's really difficult not to be hugely concerned about the disharmony within the squad. I mean, for example, Pochettino keeps telling us how unhappy and unsettled the squad is. That is concerning in itself. But you can see from... And I'm not one for body language generally, but you can tell that players just aren't themselves. You can feel it. You can feel it. You can feel it. And it's it's tough to see uh, a Pochettino side behave that way for all the reasons that Bardi said, because he had them so on side for so many years. And we looked like, you know, the players spoke so highly of him and looked like they would run through the proverbial brick walls for him. And you just don't get that vibe now in any in any sense. And you mentioned Christian Eriksen, Nathan. I've long believed that when Christian Eriksen plays well, Spurs play well. And when Christian Eriksen plays badly, Spurs play badly. And we know at the moment that Christian Eriksen is not playing well and Spurs are not playing well. And to be honest, Pochettino should have solved that conundrum. We cannot be so reliant on one player to make us uh, a force creatively. And it's just, it's just, it's just a problem. It really is. And yeah, sure, he signed Lacelso to try and do some of the Ericsson things. Is that enough? I don't, I don't know if it is. Um, and I, I think the the sort of halfway house rebuild we had this 
this uh, summer just gone, you know, Pochettino hinted that he wanted a painful. He said he stated he said he wanted a painful rebuild. That wasn't what he got, but he did get some some really competent signings. I, I'm starting to fear now that although we signed well, we didn't address enough of the problems to make up for the previous two windows of doing nothing. I'd just like to say I haven't lost faith that he can't turn it around because, as you said, he's been on runs which are worse than this. So part of me has faith that he can turn it around, but there's 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 also that fear that it might it might have gone too far. And if he if he's talking about January to fix things, there's a lot there's a lot of football between now and January, and what kind of damage can be done? But then again, we could go beat Southampton, beat Bayern Munich, uh, win our next league game, and then things are things are immediately better. As Nathan says, you win three games of football and it, and it changes. And we're, we're desperately in that. And that's why I said that these could be the final moments because if we lose to Southampton, lose to Bayern Munich, then don't win our next league game, then all of a sudden, I, I, I don't know, Levy's sacked managers for, for less than that. And the fact that Pochettino has been so great for us, I don't think it's going to protect him right now. If top four is a doubt or and it looks a struggle, then I think Levy will pull the trigger because he can't afford to um, to, to have us finish out of that. And I, I also think Pochettino shouldn't carry the whole blame for this because we should have sold Eriksen, Wanyama, probably um, Alderweireld, maybe. Maybe that's, those are the players he wanted out, but Levy refused to shift them at the, the prices that were coming in. So both of them are, are at fault here. But ultimately, it's always the manager that pays the price. I mean, it's really interesting that you, you mentioned his, his quote about January and, and the transfer window and how he can try and address things. I, I was really shocked with that comment because to me that seemed very defeatist and it seemed like he was throwing players under the bus. Nathan, what did you make of that? And, and what do you think that could, what good could come from that comment? Yeah, I was slightly surprised by it. Um, hopefully, you know, maybe he just wants to, to relieve a little bit of the pressure that's on him right now, which uh, there clearly is, and say that there are issues in the squads and... Uh, and if that's factually correct, which it appears to be, then then fair enough. You know, there's only so much a manager can do if if he has players they want to play or if he has squad issues that cannot be resolved from within themselves. Um, mm. I I want to disagree with Bardi on on the idea that about how much damage we could take in a single season. Look, we we aren't like Harry Redknapp's pretenders anymore. We're not just on a great run i think that we we should realize that we truly are a, a big club now that that chelsea can finish 7th and united can finish 7th and they can bounce back the next season i think that if we stick with pochettino and yes if we keep the majority of the players that we have now we could have a really bad season even though that doesn't make sense following the investment we've had in the summer and and the lack of it the previous summer but i think that we could have a bad season and we could go again the season after and it's very dramatic to say that at this time you know a few weeks into the season but if that is what we're looking at if if Ericsson doesn't want to play for Tottenham anymore and we need a player who's exactly like him then there's really only so much tactically decision making wise um, motivationally that you can achieve if we go with the idea that we can't be a top four team with the squads that we have then you just have to roll with that I, th- I think that as a club 
And as a squad, we can survive that. I don't think we're at that point yet, though. I, I still feel as though top four is high, highly achievable. No, sure. I, so I just, I just want to throw out a worst case scenario or a reasonable, sure. very bad case scenario, and say if it is as bad as it feels right now, because it feels awful. We have had worse runs under Poch. You know, if you look, yeah, like you said at the beginning uh, of the sixteen seventeen season, statistically we've had worse seasons. But I think it's never, it's probably never felt worse than it does right now certainly not the beginning of a season because of the promise of 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 the investment over the summer and, and how we expected things to start i think it feels really awful so let's let's address that awfulness by saying okay what's the realization of how it feels and and how do we cope with that so bardi mentioned uh, a few players who may have wanted out in the summer and, and whether we should have got rid. We had a question from uh, Richard Joyce who says, in the first season, Poch started to turn things around after he wrote off a few players like Kabul, Kapu and Soldado and brought in Mason, Bentelev and Kane to refresh. Which players need to be written off and replaced with younger options now? But did you have a feeling for um, if, if there is squad disharmony, if there is a, a core of, of players who are causing disharmony, who, who, would, who would be the, the main culprits? Who would need to be got rid of and replaced well disharmony i don't know i don't know who's causing it but there's there's visibly players there who aren't cutting it uh wanyama is, is a prime example rose who i love and defend forever is another one uh and then but then other than rose you've got davies uh, there's just a few players whose form just have, have disappeared uh yeah, and I think Vertonghen, I think there's a reason why he didn't start this season. And I think perhaps not starting him and being that brutal with him has backfired on Pochettino a bit because maybe he was a, a favourite within the within the camp. But I think Vertonghen has looked sloppy. I think Alderweireld still looked fine. But I think Vertonghen yeah. and, and uh, Wanyama and Rose are probably the ones. Aurier's done okay when he's come back in. And, and Nathan, do you think we have capacity to replace some of these players with the squad as it stands at the moment? Not really, no. I don't think so. Um, okay, so we, we've addressed Ericsson. We've said, okay, maybe he is completely uh, disinterested in Tottenham and that gives us a big tactical issue there because Lo Celso's injured and new and Lamella simply isn't up to that level of quality. I don't think that, you know... I don't think we have a, a player within the squad who can do what he does if Lacelso can't, and that's going to take a little while, even if he can. I do also think we have a major issue in defensive midfields in that I I adore Harry Winks. I think Harry Winks has a lot of ability, but I think that we specifically need a player who's like Wanyama, but can still cover the necessary distance at the necessary pace with the necessary turn of direction that he just doesn't have anymore. And Eric Dyer is not a million miles away from that. Um, I spoke a fair amount over the summer about uh, my perceived need for us to buy a defensive midfielder, and I felt very much alone in that. I don't think, you know, that's something that Skip can probably do. I think we have a big hole there, and I don't think that there are... Maybe because, I, you know... I, I felt that our problems were similarly gigantic last season and we didn't resolve them, but we found a way around them with a this sort of Winks and Sissoko midfield and a sort of a much more chaotic and direct approach to game. So I, I'm not saying it's impossible to resolve, but I don't think the feeling I have now is that we can't, or at least it'll be very hard for us to play the football that we want to with the squad that we have. Yeah, and I, I sort of feel the same way. That's... That, I guess, is why Pochettino is looking to January, because he feels that too. But that, that leaves one option, which is to get these guys back on yeah. side. 
and you know it's it's a it's a big task it's a big task to do that but he needs to give it a go because we need Ericsson we need Vertonghen we need these players to to actually be focused on on the task at hand and and doing well for Tottenham and that you know we pay their wages ultimately so that I think that's the only option until January um Spencer Farris says is the unsettlement Poch blames not self-inflicted he said the three important players in the last year of their contracts Ericsson Toby Yan and window shopping Rose Ori Wanyama this summer other than being professional what should we expect to motivate players these to motivate these players but did you think Poch has to take some of the blame for unsettled players um no i i mean he's he's always been brutal in the way he's cut players out when he's when he's done with them he discards them and then the club has kind of ushered them out of the door and i think he has been a little bit let down by the club um jansen for example stuck around much longer than he should have um yeah the, the club has been bad at getting rid of these players they've demanded they seem to have demanded a lot of money and when they did seem to get that money the, the the buying club like with with Club Bruges they pulled out on Wanyama so I, yeah I don't think the club has helped him at all I mean it took twelve months to get rid of Janssen um, but back in the day that he got rid of Bentaleb and those kind of players a lot quicker and I think that that's that's hurt him because being unable to sell those players has probably affected being able to bring in players which is so um, as I said Levy and the the club have to take a, a share of the blame here. They can definitely do Pochettino a favour before January. People love to say, like, um, X player wants more money and Y player wants a bigger challenge, but it's it's never really one thing or the other, or Z player wants particular, you know, positional priority, whatever. But, like, those are all always things, play, you know, players are humans and humans are complicated. I think that... Even if if Ericsson's biggest motivation is that he wants to play for one of the two Spanish giants, he can still, you know, money is still awaiting in that. I think that he can still be persuaded in one round and the same for Vertonghen. I think that if, if some large contract offers were on the table here, and I know that both clubs and fans don't like to offer big wages to players who are currently underperforming, but again, people are complex and I think that they can be one round and re-motivated. So I think that that's at, at the very least something that the club should be, you know, working around the idea of. Nathan, can um, can said player play defensive midfield? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I think Levy has learned a really tough lesson here. Um, I mean, I'm I'm all for him, what he's done in terms of getting maximum value for outgoing players. I think it's really important that in our previous model that we did that. This summer, I don't think it was so important. I think Pochettino would have been far happier to have cleared the decks of, of Rose, of Aurier, possibly even of Ericsson, and to get replacements in. And, and if Levy was insistent that we don't buy before we sell, then you just take the hit, you know? You just get rid of Aurier and you get Atal in. You just get rid of Rose for whatever we can get and you get a suitable left back in. And it's really difficult. I mean, it's easy for me to sit here and say that now in hindsight. Um, And it's easy for me to sit here and make make out that it's easy to sell Premier League footballers. It's not. It's difficult. But you don't do all your work in summer. You do all your prep work leading up to the summer. You get your agents on side. You you have your negotiations. I I, I don't get why Spurs, it's it's always so last minute. There's always this brinkmanship. And okay, we probably eke out an extra few million, but we're in this position now. And it's partly because of waiting to eke out an extra few million. And it's it's not great. And And that is a frustration. There's just no 
teamwork between uh, between the the club and the management team that we everybody knows that uh, Pochettino doesn't want Rose doesn't want Aurea it's it's clear they stayed at home during the pre-season tour and all of a sudden everybody else knows that so and then the club demands the money at least have the pretense of they're important players they're with me they're coming on tour and it, they don't they don't help each other it's I don't know they all need a they all need to get into a room and learn how to collaborate do you think? So, sorry, Nate. Go on. <laughs> do you think that, like, if we sold Ori and bought Atal and sold Wanyama and bought a new defensive midfielder and sold Ericsson and bought Dybala, uh, that's a terrible pronunciation. But if we if we'd had that sort of really heavy, as Pochettino describes, painful um, turnover within the squads, and then put out these results, there'd be a lot more patience, and understanding for them because we'd be trying to glue a team together. One hundred. Yeah, yeah. I, I I completely agree. I I did a I did a one on one pod with Flav from the fighting cock immediately after the Leicester game and I said I would have forgiven us losing to Leicester had Pochettino put on skip and tried to progress the future of the team rather than reverting to type and chucking in a player who's not worth it I mean had we signed all those players and did a massive overall change then I would completely understand these teething problems it's when we're playing the same faces and getting less results Mm. that that gets me upset. So let's talk about Leicester. Um, I mean, it's depressing to even think about it, but is, there, there were a few things of intrigue. Uh, Nathan, tactically, any, did anything catch your eye? Uh, yeah, okay. So um, we we started the season, uh, Villa and Newcastle, um, trying to return to our previous tactical identity of controlling games and pressing heavily and suffocating the opposition and cooking them with pressure. And then we moved back to our more recent style of a more chaotic game where we pack the midfield in a narrow way with the diamond and we play longer more frequently and um, we we sort of roll the dice in a way that we either blow teams away like we did against Palace because they just can't handle Kane and Son and Deli and Eriksen and Lamella or whatever. Just just this um, really impressive array of attacking talent that we have. Or we maybe don't, you know, by randomness create such great chances and, and the game remains a back and forth sort of basketball game. And sometimes your second goal is, you know, by millimetres on or not mm. offside and then the momentum swings against you and, and the chaos comes back to bite you. And so, yeah, we, and it's hard to know, especially because of Pochettino's comments after um, the, the, the Champions League game where he said that he had these instructions and the team didn't follow through. It's like, well, are you attempting to control these games and instead we're playing last season's tactical approach or, or are you continually switching back and forth your approach um, based on opposition? So I don't know. It, it it seemed to me like we were trying to play this aggressive game of last season, and I, I'm not. And exactly if that sure was why. the intention, that it was really, really badly yeah. managed in in game because we, yeah, like you said, we were very open to um, to Leicester's counter attacks. And actually, I thought Leicester, you know, I think Leicester are a really good team, and I predicted at the start of the season that they would finish top six. I still think they've got a really good chance of doing that, despite being a little iffy in previous games. They look good. They look they a very good team. Um, their midfield is good. Their centre-backs are good. And I think they've got a nice array of quite varied attacking talents as well. And 
someone like Madison who does have a bit of X Factor who he's a bit like a Coutinho type in a way that he just yeah. can pop up and do something special. He, he won't be great for 90 minutes. He'll make lots of uh, overplayed passes and take too many shots, but he can pop up and do something to change a game. And we didn't have that and they did. And that's ultimately what cost us that game. Bardi, what did you make of it? Yeah, I, I, I agree with a lot of what Nathan said. I enjoyed the first half. I thought it was a, it was a throwback to how we used to play. There was a good press in there. I, Madison caused one or two issues, but I thought we looked kind of comfortable. And there was always there was ho- always hope. I thought Lamella looked excellent. He got space. He was very good on the ball. And then it did just in the second half just revert into chaos rather than um, trying to control the game and kill it and then trying to take our opportunities when they came. We 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 just it, it just became way too open. And I could see Pochettino's logic of bringing on a defensive midfielder to try and to kind of block it up a little bit, but it it backfired. And um, I was impressed with Leicester. I think. They reminded me of a lot of early Pochettino's team, but there's a lot of strength, a lot of belief there. And um, I thought the Turkish lad against up against uh, alongside Evans, I can't pronounce his name. I'm not even going to pretend to. He, I thought he looked. He was really good. He he? Yeah. yeah, I thought he looked really good. He's been there. I think this is his second year, and he's he's settled in nicely. And I can see why they were willing to sell Maguire for 80 mil because he looks, um, in my opinion, I think he's probably be a better player. Good hair too. Pardon? Oh, good so, hair. So, yeah. Solid haircut. They were looking solid at getting uh, Lewis Duncan to replace Maguire, and when they didn't get their transfer through, I thought that they would be in trouble. But yeah, this, mm. this guy's so, impressive. So, Bardi mentioned bring your own defensive midfielder. I, I think in, in many ways, Pochettino had little choice but to take Sissoko off because he was starting to look like he was a red card waiting to happen. I don't Having... know about that. I, don't, I, I, I like this. Sissoko, for all his faults, is quite sensible. And I've never seen him kind of like, you know, sometimes you used to watch Dembele and he would like, oh my God, that's a red card coming. I think Sissoko is a lot smarter than that. And after he got his unfair yellow card, I thought... Did you he, think that was unfair? Yeah, it was It was a juggernaut of a challenge, but it, it was clean, man. It was it was clean as a whistle. His studs weren't up, his feet were low, he got the ball. And uh, I thought I it was mean, a fantastic challenge. Th- those two-footed challenges have been yellow cards for about five years now, I, th- I think. It, you, we, you, we might disagree with that, but did you see the, the tackle last night on Carl Walker Peters? That was yeah, Jesus was, Christ! See, that was more of a yellow card than than Sissoko. Sissoko's was clean, man. He barely touched the touched the other guy. I think in in Sissoko's defence, I think he genuinely did literally lose his footing, and that's why he went <laughs> in two footed. But um, I I thought it was a yellow card to be honest. Maybe, um, but, he, but he never got. He, I don't even think I can't remember him committing another foul after that. But to he was me, still as useful as he normally. I, I, I was feeling I was feeling nervous about Sissoko, so I could see why Pochettino wanted to make a change. But Wanyama just looks utterly broken to me, and in this game, he ultimately made two errors, which which led to goals. But the first one, giving the ball away, was a particularly problematic one. Um, and the thing is, people moan about Harry Winks just passing the ball sideways and backwards and sideways and backwards, but you know he does it effectively and he does it without giving it away. And that's a defensive strength as much as anything. And Wanyama came on and made a loose pass, and before you know it, Leicester have scored. So that that was a frustration. Um, but I, I think I've got a problem at the moment with his, his use of subs, and he's actually bench selections in general, because this was another game where he had... I think this one he had Dyer, Wanyama and Skip all on the bench. Is that right? I think yep. so. I think so, which to me seems ludicrous. They're, they all do similar things. I don't really know what he's trying to achieve with the bench at the moment, and we discussed it in the last podcast, but it's frustrating me. It's, it's nagging at me. And the other thing I wanted to talk about was Ndombele, who I think has masses of ability, and I'm really excited about him, but Nathan, he looks like he's going to take some time to settle. 
Yeah, I. <laughs> he's sort of my boy. I've got to like you know <laughs> double down. He uh he look he he has all of these like lovely silky moments where he does like a a back heel or he sends a play the wrong way and he plays a really nice through ball and all of those moments. But he's not. He's definitely not controlling games, and that's really what we wanted from him. And he's also not as physically imposing as I was hoping. Um, uh, it's perfectly reasonable that both of those things are, are things that will come to him in time as he adapts to a new team and a new league and all of those other kind of things. Um, but yeah, he's he's not absolutely hitting the ground sprinting, which isn't unusual for a new player. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Particularly from, from that league. I think um, he's trying to rush things at the moment. He's trying to probably play lots of first-time passes at or, 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 or like one or two-touch football at the same tempo he was used to playing. And in yeah. the Premier League, he, he's not going to get away with it in the same way. He needs to take a touch and be a bit more controlled and a bit more uh, conservative with what he's trying to do. He clearly has loads of ability, but he just needs to get into the right mindset for Premier League football. I mean, difficult, difficult yeah. to manage that at the moment, though, because you kind of want him in midfield, but at the same time, you want to play him so that he gets used to Premier League football, but you're going to have to play him in a three initially, which means you've got a three of Ndombele, Winks and Sissoko, which isn't isn't dynamic in, in many ways. Um, and then we move on to Colchester. <laughs> when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Jesus Christ, this was painful to watch. I was really, really excited pre-game. When, when I saw the team even, I, I, I kind of was like, you know, I'm not happy with the midfield, but we've got Troy Parrott in the team, we've got Jaffet Tanganga in the team, and Kyle Walker-Peters is back. There's a lot to be excited about. But 15 minutes in, I, would, I was like, I want to close my laptop down. I just want to, I, I don't want to watch this game. It was utterly, utterly painful to watch. Barney, what went wrong? Oh man, everything. It was just not, it was not good. And do you know, sometimes you can smell it and I don't know, maybe it was just, maybe it was having to watch it on dodgy streams for the first, for the first time ever. It was just, it was just bad. It was slow. It was painful. And um, Colchester didn't do anything particularly smart. They just blocked the gaps and um, made us play in front of them, which is what we've seen a lot of teams do to us. And with, without Kane, um, with Son and Ericsson on the bench, we just had nothing to get through them. I think Carl Walker-Peters needs... Um, I mean, when Carl Walker-Peters made his debut for Spurs um, against Leicester, I think, towards the end of the one season a couple of years ago, he was incredible. He got the ball, went forward and made things happen. Against Bournemouth, when he made his first start of the season, he was great. Oh, sorry, it was Newcastle away where he made his debut. And he, he was a fullback that got forward and did things. And now, yesterday's result was not Carl Walker-Peters' fault at all. But he seems just another 
another player who's just lost all kind of confidence and belief in themselves. And it was just, it was a collection of players who just didn't seem to have belief that they could make a difference to the game. And by the time we chucked a few players on, it was gone. And you, you, the writing was on the wall when it went to penalties. We're not exactly the greatest team in the world at penalties. And um, I knew Lucas would miss. I, he's got form, as and he's missed before. I think he yeah, missed against yeah. Chelsea. Yeah. So, so on Walker Peters, I, um, I was disappointed with his first half. I thought he was really feeling his way back into things and very timid, not wanting to commit too much, um, not trying things. I thought he really pepped up in the second half. And as, as much as that was a good thing in terms of he was really brave on the ball and tried to drive on and make things happen, it kind of, to me, came at the same time as my realisation that this is Spurs' worst thing. So when we are struggling to break down a team... We resort to just lumping aimless crosses into the box, regardless of who's in there. And it's clearly instruction because we've seen it with various fullbacks over the last couple of years. And Walker Peters was just putting in cross after cross after cross. Ten crosses, one accurate last night. Um, and it, it wasn't his fault. He was, he was, he was committing his full, his fullback pretty well and making space. And then there was no one to cross to. But of course, we're unable to create anything in the middle of the pitch. So he's thinking, well, I might as well just sling it in. Or, or he's instructed to sling it in. And it was it was ugly to watch. And my fear now is that Aurier comes back into the team and we don't see Walker-Peters get a run again. But um, yeah, that's a lot of Spurs fans won't be too unhappy because they're, they're not overly impressed with what they've seen of him anyway. But that leads on to a general point about our creativity. So Anthony Kennedy said, Creativity, what is it? Why have we lost it? And how do we get it back? Context, against packed defences, we can neither move the ball quickly enough through the middle nor make use of our meagre resources out wide. Nathan, do you have a, a theory on why we're struggling to create through the middle so much? <laughs> yeah, because we're reliant on Ericsson and he's either not selected or not interested or both. Um, what is creativity is a really tough question to answer. I made that video a few weeks ago about Ericsson's sub-performance against Villa as something of as a bit of an explainer on, on what we mean when we refer to creativity. But it's you know it's not something that like Wanyama can just learn. You know, it's 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 for the most part something either a player has or doesn't have and as a result something either a team has or doesn't have and we we potched you know selected a lineup against what he knew would be a defensive side without a hint of creativity in it and we failed to create chances you know i uh, <laughs> a little behind the curtain if you don't mind me saying chris you messaged your keenness about this game after the lineup was announced and i i replied with the um, the gritted teeth emoji because <laughs> I, <laughs> you know at the very least lamella should have been on that pitch yeah yeah the midfield was a really i mean to be honest if you're going to play three at the back you don't need any defensive midfielders against Colchester I really believe that I think you either play three at the back and no defensive midfielders or you play four at the back and you play a defensive midfielder you don't need to play three at the back and then three two two defensive midfielders and a fairly uh undynamic uh left back and a right back who's just back from injury it's it's, it's baffling I don't know um Colchester like Bardi said Colchester didn't even have to do anything and that was a frustrating thing they, they created nothing themselves they just blocked the spaces and and stopped us cycling the ball we were so sluggish with the way we moved it Parrot tried to come out and rotate and and play some one-touch stuff but it's all new to him this men's game it's it's, it's a lot to ask and Delhi, his touch was 
lacking so often and it was actually quite painful to watch him uh, try and do things and, and not able to um so we'll talk a little about Southampton next because we we do need to think about how we manage this going forward we had a question from uh, Jake who is Yedlin on Twitter he says is there a genuine argument to be made that Lamella's pressing intensity combined with his creativity makes him one of our most important players in this rough form we're in Bardi would you start Lamella for the next few games I'd start him in every single game and why is that? Because you have not been his biggest fan. <laughs> no, no. Well, one because he's been barely able to um, to play a, a string of games. But he's he's scoring goals. He's assisting. He's creating things. He has. If there's one thing you can never put against Lamela is that he doesn't try hard, and he does have a, a bit of an infectious spirit when he's charging around, closing down people. So he he has to start. He's crucial to us right now. Nathan Spurs shout said, do we hit a restart restart button and get back to basics? Change of tactics and consistent rotation isn't helping. What other things could help bring confidence back to the side? On that basis, what would you do against Southampton? Um, yeah, I don't really know how you hit the restart button. Like that, that isn't within the squads. Um, and our game is not basic. <laughs> you know, you could you could say we went to basics against Colchester when we crossed the ball into the box over and over again. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I think um, Jake makes a, a good point and he phrases it well about about Lamelo. I think he's important at the moment. Um, <laughs> I've got a ticket for this game, so <laughs> that's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, I've no idea how we line up. Um, other than yeah, we need to find a way to get some creativity into this into this squad, into this team. Hopefully Lamella can give us something, but he's he's not really he's not quite the right type. Um I mean essentially we've got to find a way to motivate Ericsson. I uh, that's it. That's all I can think of at the moment. That's the only restart button that I'm I, aware I think of. I kind of agree. So I, I I've got an idea in my head of what I would do, but I just don't I can't see Poch doing it. So for me I would be playing forty three one. I'd have Dyer and Winks in midfield because I think for sure. now we need two slightly more defensive players in there. I would have Lamella on the right Ericsson in the middle and Son on the left and Kane up front. Uh, I think that is Spurs going back to basics. It is players playing in restricted positions, yeah, where they will just do their job in, in that position, which might mean less rotation, it might mean less fluidity, but it means you've broadly got players in positions they thrive in and it will hopefully mean Ericsson has enough players around him to be influential. And I think that's the only way we're going to get the best out of him right now. Um, I, I, I'm really, really sort of concerned that Poch will just go back to playing his favourites, which probably means Winks and Sissoko midfield, which I hate. I absolutely hate that combination. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, like you, I don't quite know. I don't quite know what the reset, reset button is. And that is the scary thing. I think we need to, I think Pochettino needs to look at this game as a dress rehearsal for Bayern Munich. I think he needs to pretty much play the, t- the team that will play against Bayern, start it against Southampton and try and build some kind of, um, some kind of form, some kind of um, momentum with it. And if it, if it means playing Dyer or playing a midfield three of Dyer, Winks and Endombele and then, and then Lamella, Son and Kane perhaps do that. But I think wh- whatever Pochettino decides to do, it needs to be with a view of fixing this. He can't continue to, um, to keep throwing all the darts at the dartboard and seeing what lands. He has, to, he has to, basically he has to pick a side and then trust it. And if that side fails him, then, then then he's done. But <laughs> you know, <laughs> because we're at that point now where he, he, he pick some pick a 
pick a card and hope that that hope that you trust your judgment and the players and everything else and it comes out all right and i swear to god i hope it does come out like that but he can't continue to do nothing because by doing nothing he's doing everything wrong so, so someone i forget who it was now but i really i i should have put the question here someone mentioned set pieces in our mentions oh, and god. uh yeah. i think that's that's one way that you can start fixing problems if if you come up with a few variable attacking set pieces <laughs> yeah. that can just get you a goal from nothing that could really help and we, we've been very weak from set pieces offensively and defensively but i think in particular offensively and if we could just come up with a couple of routines just you know you get, you get yourself a, a goal cushion from a set piece and then the confidence comes flowing back and, and that would be really helpful that's a really good point i think if you if we can find a way to to force a couple of results through means that are outside of our regular system of football then we, we Pochino buys himself time buys himself positivity and everything else yeah I think set pieces are a really it is, great it point it is very like set pieces and then the other thing which a new manager tick is like taking ketchup off the canteen tables <laughs> <laughs> or putting it back on whatever the opposite of the previous manager exactly easy wins yeah uh, I, I included this in the running order because I really like the question. Um, Apocalypto, who is Apocalypto underscore doctor, says, Is it possible Poch's hormones are amiss, contributing to his sour mood and questionable squad choices? Last season he began lean. Remember his all-black Simeone-like look? This season he has noticeable gynecomastia, too much estrogen, not enough testosterone. What did he make of that, buddy? I think that he started wearing really bad Spurs-branded baseball caps. So some someone on Twitter said, "Is he having hair transplant?" Um, maybe, maybe there maybe there is something in that. Maybe because um, his weight does go up and down according to it really does the season. He, and he even says that as well. He says he he eats too much because he does like he likes his meat. And I don't know if that's racist saying Argentinians like meat, but it's true. <laughs> even Lamella said when they asked Lamella in that thing, "What's your favorite? What's your favorite food?" He said barbecue, and then they just showed like kilos and kilos of meat on the barbecue. So uh, maybe. Maybe, maybe he's not maybe he's not happy is he comfort eating yeah and you know he eats um, the Argentinians they love their alfajores so he, I bet he's smashing through boxes of them every night what's that it's like this kind of uh, do you know dulce de leche it's like a kind of caramel caramel oh yes that, yes yes yeah, I know that the South Americans love so it's like two biscuits with loads of that in the middle they're delicious he seems like a comfort eater, doesn't he? He seems like a stress eater. And I, mean, and I guess yeah. also in times like this, he's probably staying later at the training ground. He's um, he's trying to work things out with Jesus Perez and, and Tony. So he's he's probably getting takeaways on the way home. So McDonald's is to blame for this. <laughs> Work uh, is the enemy McDonald's. of the workout schedule. These two things are massively at odds with one another. Yeah, but he's, his work is exercise. No, so it's not, though. It's not. No I don't excuse. think that, like, he's, you know, the, most of the time he's, like, getting a run in while he's working the club. I don't, <laughs> like, yes, it, it, his, he works in, like, the athletic um, world. But, like, I, he's not, like, he doesn't run for a living. You know? <laughs> he should. He should get, like, a, a treadmill in his, in his office. I saw that I saw yeah. that once in Sweden. In the, my, when I worked for a Swedish firm, there was one gym, one office office cubicle which had a treadmill underneath the monitor so you could, um, you could walk fast and do your work. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Swedes, man. <laughs> uh, Nathan, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this at you. Sure. We had a question from Brian Schaefner who said, I continue to believe it's too early to panic, but as an optimist, I also know that I would be prone to keep telling myself that long past when it's time... 
long past when it's time to panic. So to keep myself honest, what future benchmarks would be good markers for when we should seriously panic? Hmm. That's a good question. I'm not sure. I think um, I need to look at the schedule and sort of have a think about that one. But if we sort of look six weeks from now, I think you we would need to be seeing some kind of improvement or or considerable change in approach um, within six weeks from and if, now. If that, that doesn't seem... happen, then you then, start worrying. Then, then. Um, well, the Simpsons reference question we had recently, um, crack each other's heads open and feast on the goo that's inside. So basically we have six weeks to save our season <laughs> oh, God. and six weeks oh, no. for Postino to save his job. Um, <laughs> Why did I say right, that? Mark, mark down the date. It's the 25th of September. Oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> and Bardi, I'll give you this one. Uh, John T. Leibovitz said, I'm not potch out. But when we do start succession planning, who do you imagine will be on Levy's shorts? Uh, I think a lot of it would depend when, if, well, not when, if Poch goes mid-season or he survives to the end of the year. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I can see he, he wrote something down. I, I, Allegri, I don't, I just don't, I just don't think Allegri is the right fit in the same way. I don't think Mourinho is the right fit. Both of them would be, yep. I think both of them would do great things at Tottenham, but I just don't think it, it suits the club that we are. So someone like a, a Howe or, um, I mean, I'm going to butcher this, Nanglesman, maybe someone like that or Ten Haga Ajax, I think is probably fits the, the Levy model better than, than Pochettino. But I think a lot of it would depend when when it happens, if it happens. So his last few appointments have been from within the Premier League. And I think he'll be having a very close eye on Nuno Espirito Santo. Which would be great. He's got a great face. So that in judge, but I I don't think he's the answer either. No, I don't think so. No, I don't I, think I, any I... of the names referenced. <laughs> no, I uh, oh maybe Nagelsmann actually Nagelsmann's decision. Yeah. Well, firstly, I do think that we should always be succession planning. Mm. I don't think you wait until the club is in a bad place to start looking around. I think that you know outside of the transfer windows, there's. A, a fair bit less work for a chairman to do okay we're building a new stadium and everything else that's been going on but i think that like at all times you should have a list of you know if 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 Pochino quit tomorrow even in the best times you need to have a go-to list that you're updating and maintaining at all times of this is our first choice manager this is our second choice manager this is our third choice manager i think the managers that we should be looking at are the ones who most closely resemble Pochino in tactical approach um so i think yeah you're looking at the bundesliga and you're looking at the liga um managers like that managers who who and we can I probably will end up doing sort of a statistical scouting on teams who play like Tottenham or teams who play like Tottenham at their best in sort of 2017, who resembles them. And it it may well be names that we're not especially familiar with, but Pochino wasn't an especially familiar name when we signed Do you know what we should do? We should just, um, we should just get Bielsa. <laughs> why Can not? you imagine? Why not? Fuck it up. Why not? Let's just, oh, sorry for swearing, but we we should just, we should just do it. That would be... That would be drama. I would. Um, yeah. I'd be very surprised if that were to happen. Give but. us something to talk about, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, boys. We've been we've been very downbeat, haven't we? Wait, but, wait. Um, that's what I was going to say. Let's just pick one. I'm going to pick one positive from the last few games. Okay. Go for it. And Eric Lamella has been a huge positive, and he's he's a good player. I like him again. <laughs> How did I make a positive sound like a negative? I don't know. But I'm going with I'm, Eric Lamella is a positive for me. 
Um, and the thing is with Lamella is he's he tries his heart out every game, and that's kind of what you want to see at the moment when things are, when things are difficult. You want players to be running around trying to kill the opposition, and he never lets us down on that front. Okay, right. I'm gonna um I'm gonna dedicate this episode to uh, my beloved grandpa who passed away this week. Um, he he wasn't a Spurs fan. He was actually a Leeds fan, but um. My his son, my dad supported Spurs, and and my uncle supported Burnley, and he sort of always had a soft spot for for both of both the clubs. And uh, he, he wasn't even a huge football fan, but he he kind of got it. He had a good tactical understanding, so I could have interesting chats with him from a neutral perspective. And yeah, he passed away at the age of ninety five. He had a great innings, and uh, I loved him dearly. And I wanted to make this episode a tribute to him. You've been listening to the extra. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Barney for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindner for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud D Lindner. Do check him out, he's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.